Thanks for checking out The Bridge Podcast, a ministry to St. Francis and the surrounding community. It's not a mistake you are here. We pray God speaks to you today. Service times are 9.30 and 11 a.m. Sunday mornings. Feel free to check us out at sfbridge.org. Have a life-giving week. Here's my prayer and my question, my focus today is this. My prayer lately has been to see as Jesus sees. Like, I want to see people through Jesus' eyes. I'll be, tell you a secret. Sometimes I don't. Maybe it's just me. But sometimes I'll see somebody, and they just tick me off. I know this happened to no one else. But I, I'll see them, and I'll be like, man, it just, oh, man, it just irritates me. The way that they, they respond to me or the way that you receive criticism from somebody, and it just, like, it just gets you right here, and you're like, ah. And then I have to remember, you know what? This is a child of God. This is a child of God. And God, how can I see your children the way that you do? How can I constantly see this? How can I constantly be affirming and uplifting? And you might say, well, what, where is this fire firefly thing all about? What is this about? And uh, part of the story last week uh, was somewhat true. Um, myself and a buddy, we used to actually go in the graveyard and we'd chase fireflies. And uh, at night, they just look like they're glowing. Uh, Monica, our creative director, did all these real cool jars up here. I don't know if you can see them all, but they're just amazing. But have you ever seen a firefly when it's not lit up? Have you seen what they look like? They really are kind of ugly. And uh, here's, here's one of them uh, right here. And, and they, don't, they don't look like much, you know. They're just an insect. It kind of seems, you know, normal. It's nothing crazy. It's nothing like off the charts. But then, man, when you get them together... And when they glow, this is kind of what it looks like. This is an actual, this, this looks like a painting. This is an actual photograph of them just glowing at night and just painting the sky. And I think what happens is sometimes we look at things when they're not glowing. We see things that way rather than when we see even people who disagree with us, man, they're, they're glowing. God has filled them with his life. God has created them for reason, for purpose, for passions in their life. And so I always want to make sure that when I'm looking or I'm, experiencing someone or I'm getting to know someone that I'm seeing them for the way that Jesus sees them. If you agree with me, say, yeah. Let me show you this last picture here. Um, this, you might say, what is that? Um, this is a city dump. This is a city dump. In fact, there was a dump. Um, it's just, it's in Fort Briggs. It's just north of San Francisco in California. And they would take in the 60s and the 70s and right off the cliff, they would just dump all of their garbage, just everything, because they thought it had no value. They thought, you know, we're just going to throw it all out. And so they would put, you know, tires and, and all their garbage and diapers and appliances and gas and propane. I just, everything that you could think of that nowadays is completely illegal, they would throw it right over the, you know, the cliff, right on the coast of the Pacific Ocean. And it would just lay there, you know, to die eventually and decompose. And so back in the late 70s, early 80s, they said, this is a real problem. It's a real mess. And so what they did is they took it all and they, they blew it up and they, they made it, uh, on, took it on fire. They lit it on fire and they burnt it down to decompose it and to get it into more manageable state. And so you didn't have this whole pile. And I think sometimes what happens is when we look at others, when we instantly judge somebody or we have a first impression of somebody, we don't see them like a firefly. We sometimes see them just as this picture displays. And I think God is saying, especially to me, we've always got to be looking for the good in people. We've always got to be looking for what is it and why is it that God has created that person 
or that church for that specific reason. And so here's what I want to ask today. This is what I want to present to you this morning. How do we see differences in each other and the church for who they really are? Okay? How many of you here are married? How many of you who are married always see eye to eye with your spouse? How many have seen eye to eye with them today completely? I see like two people. All right, you know. All right, few of us, few of us. All right. Here's the deal. We live in an incredibly strange world. Would you agree? Um, we, we have this world, and when I'm talking world, I'm not talking like, big, I'm talking like America. I'm talking, what's, what's happening in our culture? And, and I, we have this strange world where we think we're entitled to our opinions. We're entitled to judge somebody. We're entitled to have our views because we get those views. We freely give and freely receive criticism because that's the right thing to do. You know, we do it all the time. And then what happens is an affirming word has something to do with the past that's no longer a thing. You know, we no longer affirm all the time. You know, our media is filled with fear rather than fact, you know, all the time. And so we're getting this constantly. Well, we must be different. If you're married, you know you are. If you have children, do all of your children see eye to eye together? No, they throw things in people's eyes, right? Like, they're children. That's what happens. They don't always see the same way. And so we as a Christian people, as a church, we have to look differently. We have to set ourselves apart. Now, it doesn't say, well, our light's going to shine brighter than theirs. No, we just look a little different. And that's okay. That's okay. You see, God's word, it literally says to be in the world, but not not of it. Romans 12, 2, Paul wrote this. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The moment we judge somebody, the moment that we get on the defense, the moment that we tear somebody down is the moment that God says no longer does God want to bless us or work with us. He's saying he's looking for an open, surrendered heart. We just say, God, I want to be close to you. God, I want to be close to you. I surrender all to you. It's not a mistake that Michael chose those songs today. Heather and I, we got married 16 and a half years ago, 17 years next July. That's incredible. And uh, I, I feel like I'm 16 still, so I don't know how that happened very quickly. Um, when we first got married, though, I was what would be known as a spender. One of you knows which one you are, okay, as a spouse. My wife was the saver. And so she grew up with her parents, and they would go to McDonald's. Some of you know the story. She'd go to McDonald's, and she would order. This was when, you know, McDonald's hamburgers were 69 cents. You remember that? 69 cents. And she would order the hamburger rather than the cheeseburger. What was the cheeseburger cost? 79 cents, 10 cents more. But Heather, my wife, God bless her, most conservative saving person in the world that you will ever meet, would not spend the extra 10 cents on the cheeseburger because she was saving money. I'm like, you are crazy, woman. Like, you are crazy. Don't ever say that to your wife. I, on the other hand, I was a spender. So I grew up with my parents, and I would watch my dad going to McDonald's. And my dad, it was never a value meal, Okay. I don't, know, I don't know if it was a pride thing or what. He would never order. It would have been cheaper. And so he would get up and he'd say, I'll get a quarter pounder with cheese. I'll get a large fry. I'll get a fish filet. 
I'll get a large chocolate shake and a large Dr. Pepper. And I, as a kid, I'm like, there's no way he's going to finish all that, you know? And he, you know, he'd spend like 12 bucks, and if he would have got the value meal, it would have been six. But it, money wasn't a thing, so we just spent like it was going out of style. And we'd sit down, my dad couldn't even finish the whole meal, you know? And so now today, that was more my thing. I'd go to the gas station when we first got married. How many can relate to this? And you pull up, and, and my wife is thinking, well, we're just here to get gas. And I'm like, you know what? I really want a soda. You've had this fight. You know you have. You know, you want something, but you're going, I feel guilty if I go in and get this. And, and I thought, I'm going to walk this through. So I went in, got a nice 20-ounce bottle of Barks Root Beer, and I bought it. And my wife was looking at me. And for those of you that know my wife, she can stare at you sometimes, okay? <laughs> and she's staring at me, like right through me. Not at me, through me. And I'm thinking, what? And she's like, do you know? So what, what is it that I know? She says, do you know? that you could go buy a whole 12-pack for just a buck more? Yeah, I know, but I want the 20-ounce right now. Who's right and who's wrong, you know? If we'd sit down at dinner, if you go anywhere to dinner out to eat nowadays, what, how much is a soda, like two bucks, two and a half? I'm like, I like the taste of it with my meal. Now, we're working on not drinking soda, but it, it goes to show that there's these differences. It's not that one's right or one's wrong, but we individually, we want to be right, don't we? You know you do. You know you do. And your spouse right now is going, you're not right. (laughs) But let me say this. Within each church, within each family, within each marriage, within each job or vocation or any relationship, there's going to be differences. There are. And that's okay. Healthy tension is okay. That's okay. We don't like tension, especially as Americans. It's entitlement. It's the way we want it. We want it now. We want it fast. It's fast food. Come on, let's be done with it. But I hate to break it to you, there's this thing called healthy tension. I'll tell you what, this fall has been incredible for fishing. Anybody been out fishing in the last couple weeks? It has been beautiful. Here's the deal, I love to fish. And when I go fishing, you have got to have the right kind of line. For those of you that aren't fishermen or fisherwomen, let me explain. If you're going after crappies or sunfish, I use what's called an ultralight rod. And on my ultralight rod, I have what's known as four pound test. Four pound test, should mean I can catch up a fish up to four pounds, okay? Real simple. Now, if I put on my ultralight, 10-pound test, there's too much tension. It's not going to work. I'm not going to feel the bite. I'm not going to feel the nibble, okay? When I have four-pound test on an ultralight, I can feel when my minnow has gas. That's how incredible it is, okay? All right. Now, if you move up to the next rod, and I have, you know, this is, this is my open face reel. This is my walleye or my bass or my worming rod. And so I go six-pound test. If you have any less, it's going to snap. If I have more, I'm not going to feel it. And then I have my bait caster. My bait caster, for those that don't even know what this is, don't worry about it. It's just, it's a, it's a line, it's a reel and a rod that comes together where I can chuck that bait up into the slop, up into the lily pads, up into the, you know, just the, the thick milfoil and find those bass that are up there nesting. And I can pull them out. And when I have a 10-pound test like a spider wire or a, a fire wire, um, that's different than a monofilament because it's tight. I can yank on that sucker and I can pull him right out. Okay, if I have the wrong kind of tension, it's going to break. And so there has got to be in our lives this healthy tension. You will never see eye to eye with everybody. You won't see eye to eye with your spouse all the time. Well, what does that mean then? Is it time for divorce? You say, well, I don't agree with everything the church is doing. I'm out of there. You will never agree with everything any church does. You know, I, didn't, I didn't agree with the way that what my kid did. You put him outside on the lawn for sale. 
I'm kidding, guys. I love you. Okay. It'd be for free, not for... No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. They're priceless. Some things are black and white. What is black and white? In our faith walk, if we say we're Christians, then black and white is simply Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. Real simple. Keep it simple. We like simple. There's other things that are gray. There's other things that are gray. Like the financial situation. It's taken us years, years, 16 and a half to be exact, to figure out how do we balance our budget when I like to spend and she likes to save. You know, we do the nerdy Dave Ramsey thing. We have cash envelopes. When my cash is gone, it's gone. You know, but now I can go to County Market and I can buy soda. And it's not a big deal. We agreed to compromise. The second thing is this. We have to see each other in our differences and learn to see each other as children of God. Right now, we have 47 million people in this country over here, and we have 47 million people in the country over here. And some of the people are not too happy right now. In fact, within this last week, we've seen protests. We've seen, you know, buildings burnt and and windows broken. That's not a demonstration of who... Jesus is or who the church is, okay? We need to demonstrate and teach the world not what we're against, but what are we actually for? Who is it that we are to be called to be on Christ's behalf? Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 and 5, I love this. Jesus' words, he says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, Jesus says, very harsh. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. James takes it a step further, brother of Jesus. He goes on and he says this in chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. He says, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Neighbor, within the Greek here, means enemy. We're not to judge the enemy. We're not to judge those we disagree with. What are we to do? We're to seem like the firefly. We're to love on them, okay? We are to be God's people, affirming, loving, forgiving, walking in that, not only so God blesses them, but if we're not doing that, God won't bless us. Matthew chapter 6, it says, if we don't forgive others, God won't forgive us. That's pretty black and white. That's what he's calling us to do. Previously in James chapter 4, James talks about the sin and the pride of selfishness. He talks about taking this form of evil desires even, covenant and fighting, and, and how these zealots, they would, you know, with those that would disagree, they would murder each other actually. Well, what does that do? It would, would destroy life if you murder somebody. But malicious words... Judging others can also destroy another person's reputation and it can cause other harm in their lives. There's no reason we should ever want that as a church. How often, this is rhetorical, so don't answer. How often do we make judgments as though we're God when we have little or no understanding of people's motives or circumstances? I'm guilty. How often do we do that? You know, I read this story this week, and it's, uh, it's about a grocery store clerk who once wrote a, to Ann Landers to complain about people 
who were buying luxury food items with food stamps. She said, these people were lazy and wasteful. And then a later column here, I want to read it to you, Landers printed the response of a woman who wrote an answer to the judgmental grocery clerk. This is what she said. She said, I'm the woman who bought the $17 cake and paid for it with food stamps. I thought the checkout woman in the store would burn a hole through me with her eyes. What she didn't know is the cake was for my little girl's birthday. It will be her last. She has bone cancer and will probably be gone within six to eight months. How many times have we done that? I'm guilty of it. It's like, God, I just desperately want to see through your eyes, not my own. Give me your eyes for just a moment. It's a song by Brandon Heath. It's a great song. So how do we treat others or speak of others in a positive way? Because what happens when we speak of it in a negatively way, negative way, it affects our closeness with God. So let's go ahead. Let's look at some reasons about that. And let me just say this. Anyone who is talking negatively to you about someone else is most likely speaking to someone else negatively about you. So what do we do? Zip it. First zip it. Zip the lip, man. Proverbs 17, 28. It says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. My mom got me this little book when Forrest Gump came out years ago, and it was called Gumpisms. And one of it said, nobody got in trouble by keeping their mouth shut. It was great. I loved it. It was awesome. Number two, speak the truth in love. Well, how do we say something when we see something wrong with our neighbor? Bathe it in love so they see the love and not any judgment or criticism. Bathe it in love. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love so that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Jesus Christ. Where I was to speak in love. Number three, let Christ's words live in you. Not only should we see the way Jesus sees, but my prayer is that I can speak the way Jesus would want us to speak to others. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Number four, speak God's favor or grace over others. Paul goes on, he writes in Colossians 4, 6, he says, let your conversation be always, when? Always full of grace. Season with salt. If you were here two weeks ago, we talked about what that salt meant, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Season it with salt. Speak God's favor and grace. The salt, it penetrates, but it flavors, and we are to be that flavor when we communicate. Five, encourage and build others up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Some of you guys are incredible at this. You're great at building each other up, affirming and and speaking truth and life. And you don't take credit for things. You give that credit away. We have a lot of people in this church that are just amazing 